three of the second part of Henry the Fourth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry the Fourth, Part Two, by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One, Westminster, the Palace. Enter the king in his nightgown with a page. Go call the earls of Surrey and of Warwick, but ere they come, bid them o'er read these letters, and well consider of them. Make good speed. Exit page. How many thousand of my poorest subjects are at this hour asleep? O oh, sleep, O oh, gentle sleep, nature's soft nurse, how have I frighted thee? that thou no more wilt weigh my eyelids down, and steep my senses in forgetfulness. Why, rather, sleep, liest thou in smoky cribs, upon uneasy pallets, stretching thee, and hushed with buzzing night-flies to thy slumber, than in the perfumed chambers of the great, under the canopies of costly state, and lulled with sound of sweetest melody? O oh, thou dull god! Why liest thou with the vile in loathsome beds, and leavest the kingly couch a watch-case, or a common lorum-bell? Wilt thou upon the high and giddy mast seal up the ship-boy's eyes, and rock his brains in cradle of the rude imperious surge, and in the visitation of the winds, who take the ruffian billows by the top, curling their monstrous heads, and hanging them with deafening clamour in the slippery clouds, that with the hurly death itself awakes? Canst thou, O partial sleep, give thy repose to the wet sea-boy in an hour so rude, and in the calmest and most stillest night, with all appliances and means to boot, deny it to a king? Then happy, low, lie down. Uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. Enter Warwick and Surrey. Many good morrows to your majesty. Is it good morrow, lords? Tis one o'clock and past. Why, then, good morrow to you all, my lords. Have you read o'er the letters that I sent you? We have, my liege. Then you perceive the body of our kingdom, how foul it is, what rank diseases grow, and with what danger near the heart of it. It is but as a body yet distempered, which to his former strength may be restored, with good advice and little medicine. My lord Northumberland will soon be cooled. O oh God, that one might read the book of fate, and see the revolution of the times make mountains level, and the continent, weary of solid firmness, melt itself into the sea, and other times to see the beachy girdle of the ocean too wide for Neptune's hips, how chances mock, and changes fill the cup of alteration with divers' liquors. Oh, if this were seen, the happiest youth, viewing his progress through, what perils past, what crosses to ensue, would shut the book, and sit him down and die. Tis not ten years gone since Richard and Northumberland, great friends, did feast together, and in two years after were they at wars, it is but eight years since this Percy was the man nearest my soul, who like a brother toiled in my affairs, and laid his love and life under my foot. Yea, 
for my sake, even to the eyes of Richard, gave him defiance. But which of you was by? To Warwick. You, cousin Neville, as I may remember, when Richard, with his eye brimful of tears, then checked and rated by Northumberland, did speak these words, now proved a prophecy? Northumberland, thou ladder by the which my cousin Bolingbroke ascends my throne. Though then, God knows, I had no such intent, but that necessity so bowed the state that I and greatness were compelled to kiss. The time shall come, thus did he follow it, the time will come that foul sin gathering head shall break into corruption. So went on, foretelling the same time's condition and the division of our amity. There is a history in all men's lives figuring the natures of the times deceased, the which observed a man may prophesy with a near aim of the main chance of things as yet not come to life, who in their seeds and weak beginning lie entreasured. Such things become the hatch and brood of time, and by the necessary form of this King Richard might create a perfect guess that great Northumberland, then false to him, would of that seed grow to a greater falseness which should not find a ground to root upon unless on you. Are these things then necessities? Then let us meet them like necessities and that same word even now cries out on us. They say the bishop and Northumberland are fifty thousand strong. It cannot be, my lord. Rumour doth double like the voice and echo, the numbers of the feared. Please it, your grace, to go to bed. Upon my soul, my lord, the powers that you already have sent forth shall bring this prize in very easily. To comfort you the more I have received a certain instance that Glendower is dead. Your Majesty hath been this fortnight ill, and these unseasoned hours perforce must add unto your sickness. I will take your counsel, and were these inward wars once out of hand, we would, dear lords, unto the Holy Land. Exeunt Scene 2 Gloucestershire, before Justice Shallow's house. Enter Shallow and Silence, meeting. Mouldy, Shadow, Wart, Feeble, Bullcalf, and Servants behind. Come on, come on, come on! Give me your hand, sir, give me your hand, sir. An early stirrer by the rude. And how doth my good cousin Silence? Good morrow, good cousin Shallow. And how doth my cousin, your bedfellow, and your fairest daughter and mine, my goddaughter, Ellen? Alas, a black oozle, cousin Shallow. By yea and no, sir. I dare say my cousin William is become a good scholar. He is at Oxford still, is he not? Indeed, sir, to my cost. He must then to the inns are caught shortly. I was once of Clement's Inn, where I think they will talk of mad shallow yet. You were called lusty shallow, then, cousin. By the mass, I was called anything, and I would have done anything indeed, too, and roundly, too. There was I, and little John Doit of Staffordshire, 
and Black John Barnes, and Francis Pickbone, and Will Squeal, a Cotswold man. You had not four such swinge bucklers in all the inns of court again. And I may say to you, we knew where the boner robbers were, and had the best of them all at commandment. Then was Jack Falstaff, now Sir John, boy and page to Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk. This Sir John, cousin, that comes hither anon about soldiers? The same Sir John, the very same. I see him break Scoggin's head at the court gate when he was a crack not thus high. And the very same day did I fight with one Samson Stockfish, a fruiterer, behind Gray's Inn. <laughs> Jesu, Jesu, the mad days that I have spent. And to see how many of my old acquaintance are dead. We shall all follow, cousin. Certain? Tis certain. Sure. Very sure. Death, as the psalmist saith, is certain to all. All shall die. How a good yoke of bullocks at Stamford Fair? By my troth I was not there. Death is certain. Is old Double of your town living yet? Dead, sir. Jesu, Jesu. Dead. Drew a good bow, and dead. He shot a fine shoot. John Gaunt loved him well, and betted much money on his head. Dead. He would have clapped to the clout at twelve score, and carried you a forehand shaft of fourteen and fourteen and a half. That would have done a man's heart good to see. How a score of ewes now? Thereafter as they be, a score of good ewes may be worth ten pounds. And his old double dead. Enter Bardolph, and one with him. Here come two of Sir John Falstaff's men, as I think. Good morrow, honest gentlemen. I beseech you, which is just as shallow? I am Robert Shallow, sir, a poor esquire of this county, and one of the King's Justices of the Peace. What is your good pleasure with me? My captain, sir, commends him to you, my captain, Sir John Falstaff, a tall gentleman by heaven, and a most gallant leader. He greets me well, sir. I knew him, a good backsword man. How doth the good knight? May I ask how my lady, his wife, doth? Sir, pardon. A soldier is better accommodated than with a wife. It is well said in faith, sir. And it is well said indeed, too. Better accommodated. It is good. Yea, indeed, is it. Good phrases are surely and ever were very commendable. Accommodated. It comes of accommodore. Very good. A good phrase. Pardon, sir. I have heard the word. Phrase, you call it? By this day I know not the phrase, but I will maintain the word with my sword to be a soldier-like word, and a word of exceeding good command by heaven. Accommodated, that is, when a man is, as they say, accommodated, or when a man is being, whereby a may be thought to be accommodated. 
which is an excellent thing. Enter Falstaff. It is very just. Look, here comes good Sir John. Give me your good hand, give me your worship's good hand. By my troth, you like well, and bear your years very well. Welcome, good Sir John. I am glad to see you well, good Master Robert Shallow. Master Surecard, as I think. No, Sir John, it is my cousin, Silence, in commission with me. Good Master Silence, it well befits you should be of the peace. Your good worship is welcome. Fie, this is hot weather. Gentlemen, have you provided me here half a dozen sufficient men? Marry, have we, sir. Will you sit? Let me see them, I beseech you. Where's the roll? Where's the roll? Where's the roll? Let, let, let me see, let me see, let me see. So, 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 yea, marry, sir. Rafe Mouldy, let them appear as I call. Let them do so, let them do so. Let me see, where is Mouldy? Here, and please you. What think you, Sir John? A good-limbed fellow, young, strong, and of good friends? Is thy name Mouldy? Yea, and it please you. Tis the more time thou wert used. <laughs> Most excellent, faith. Things that are mouldy lack use. Very singular good. In faith, well said, Sir John. Very well said. Prick him. I was pricked well enough before, and you could have let me alone. My old dame will be undone now for one to do her husbandry and her drudgery. You need not have pricked me. There are other men fitter to go out than I. Go to. Peace, Mouldy, you shall go. Mouldy, it is time you were spent. Spent? Peace, fellow, peace. S stand aside. Know you where you are? For the other, Sir John, uh, let me see. Uh, Simon Shadow. <laughs> Yea, Mary, let me have him to sit under. He's like to be a cold soldier. Where's Shadow? Eh, sir. Shadow, whose son art thou? My mother's son, sir. Thy mother's son, like enough, and thy father's shadow. So the son of the female is the shadow of the male. It is often so, indeed, but much of the father's substance. Do you like him, Sir John? Shadow will serve for summer. Prick him, for we have a number of shadows fill up the muster brook. Thomas, what? Where's he? Here, sir. Is thy name Wart? Yes, sir. Thou art a very ragged Wart. Shall I prick him, Sir John? It were superfluous, for his apparel is built upon his back, and the whole frame stands upon pins. Prick him no more. <laughs> you can do it, sir. You can do it. I commend you well. Francis... Feeble. Here, sir. What trade art thou, Feeble? A woman's tailor, sir. Shall I prick him, sir? You may, but if he had been a man's tailor, he'd have pricked you. Wilt thou make as many holes in an enemy's battle as thou hast done in a woman's petticoat? I will do my good will, sir. You can have no more. Well said, good woman's tailor. Well said, courageous Feeble. Thou wilt be as valiant as the wrathful dove, or most magnanimous mouse. 
prick the woman's tailor. Well, Master Shallow, deep, Master Shallow. I would what might have gone, sir. I would thou wert a man's tailor, that thou mightst mend him and make him fit to go. I cannot put him to a private soldier, that is the leader of so many thousands. Let that suffice, most forcible feeble. It shall suffice, sir. I am bound to thee, reverend feeble, who is next. Peter Bullcalf of the Green. Yea, Mary, let's see Bullcalf. He, sir. For God, a likely fellow. Come prick me, Bullcalf, till he roar again. Oh, Lord, good my Lord Captain. What? Dost thou roar before thou art pricked? Oh, Lord, sir, I am a diseased man. What disease hast thou? A horse and cold, sir, a cough, sir, which I caught with ringing in the king's affairs upon his coronation day, sir. Come, thou shalt go to the wards in a gown. We will have away thy cold, and I will take such order that thy friends shall ring for thee. Is here all? Here is two more called than your number. You must have but four here, sir, and so I pray you go in with me to dinner. Come, I will go drink with you, but I cannot tarry dinner. I am glad to see you by my troth, Master Shallow. Oh, Sir John, do you remember, since we lay all night in the windmill in St. George's Field? No more of that, Master Shallow, no more of that. Ah, it was a merry night. And is Jane Nightwork alive? She lives. Master Shallow. She could never away with me. Never, never. She would always say she could not abide Master Shallow. By the mass, I could anger her to the heart. She was then a bona roba. Does she hold her own well? Old, old Master Shallow. Well, nay, she must be old. She cannot choose but be old. Certain she's old, and had Robin Nightwork by old Nightwork before I came to Clement's Inn. That's fifty-five year ago. Cousin Silence, that thou had seen that that this night and I have seen. <laughs> Sir John, said I well? We have heard the chimes at midnight, Master Shallow. That we have. That we have, that we have. In faith, Sir John, we have. Our watchword was, Hem, boys! Come, let's to dinner. Come, let's to dinner, Jesus! The days that we have seen. Come, come. Exeunt Falstaff and the Justices. Good Master Corporate Bardolph, stand, my friend, and here's four hurry ten shillings in French crowns for you. In very truth, sir, I had as lief be hanged, sir, as go, and yet for mine own part, sir, I do not care, but rather because I am unwilling and, for mine own part, have a desire to stay with my friends. Else, sir, I did not care for mine own part so much. Go to, stand aside. And, good Master Corporal Captain, for my old dame's sake, stand my friend. She has nobody to do anything about her when I am gone, and she is old and cannot help herself. 
You shall have forty, sir. Go to, stand aside. By my troth I care not. A man can die but once. We owe God a death. I'll ne'er bear a base mind. An it be my destiny, so. An it be not, so. No man's too good to serve as prince. And, let it go which way it will, he that dies this year is quit for the next. Well said. Thou'rt a good fellow. Faith, I'll bear no base mind. Re-enter Falstaff and the justices. Come, sir, which men shall I have? Four of which you please. Sir, a word with you. I have three pounds to free Moldy and Bullcalf. Go to, well. Come, Sir John, which four will you have? Do you choose for me? Marry, then, Moldy, Bullcalf, Feeble, and Shadow. Moldy and Bullcalf. For you, Moldy, stay at home till you are past service. And for your part, Bullcalf, grow you come unto it. I will none of you. Sir John, Sir John, do not yourself wrong. They are your likeliest men, and I would have you served with the best. Will you tell me, Master Shallow, how to choose a man? Care I for the limb, the thews, the stature, bulk, and big assemblance of a man? Give me the spirit, Master Shallow. Here's what. You see what a ragged appearance it is? I shall charge you, and discharge you, with the motion of a pewterer's hammer. Come off and on, swifter than he that gibbets on the brewer's bucket. And this same half-faced fellow, Shadow, give me this man. He presents no mark to the enemy. The foeman may, with his great aim, level at the edge of a penknife. And for a retreat... How swiftly will this feeble, the woman's tailor, run off! Oh, give me the spare men, and spare me the great ones. Put me a caliver into Wart's hand, Bardolph. Hold, Wart. Traverse. Thus, thus, thus. Come, manage me your caliver. So, very well. Go to. Very good. Exceeding good. Oh, give me always a little lean old chopped bald shot. <laughs> well said, a faith wart, thou'rt a good scab. Hold, there's a tester for thee. He is not his craft's master. He doth not do it right. I remember at Mile End Green, when I lay at Clement's Inn, I was then Sir Dagonet in Arthur's show. There was a little quiver fellow, and he would manage you his piece thus, and he would about and about and come you in and come you in. Ratata, he would say. Bounce, he would say, and away again would he go, and again would he come. <laughs> I shall ne'er see such a fellow. These fellows will do well. Master Shallow, God keep you. Master Silence, I will not use many words with you. Fare you well. Gentlemen, both, I thank you. I must a dozen mile to-night. Bardolph, give the soldiers coats. Sir John, the Lord bless you. God prosper your affairs. God set us peace. At your return, visit our house. Let our old acquaintance be renewed. Peradventure I will with you to the court. For God would you would. Go to. 
I have spoke at a word. God keep you. Fare you well, gentle gentlemen. Exeunt justices. On Bardolf, lead the men away. Exeunt all but Falstaff. As I return, I will fetch off these justices. I do see the bottom of justice shallow. Lord, Lord, how subject we old men are to this vice of lying. This same starved justice hath done nothing but prate to me of the wildness of his youth, and the feats he hath done about Turnbull Street. And every third word a lie. Doer paid to the hearer than the Turk's tribute. I do remember him at Clement's Inn, like a man made after supper of a cheese paring. When he was naked, he was for all the world like a forked radish, with a head fantastically carved upon it with a knife. He was so forlorn that his dimensions to any thick sight were invisible. He was the very genius of a famine, yet lecherous as a monkey, and the whores called him Mandrake. He came ever in the rearward of the fashion, and sung those tunes to the overscutched huswives that he heard the carmen whistle, and swear they were his fancies or his good nights. And now is this vice's dagger become a squire, and talks as familiarly of John Agaunt as if he had been sworn brother to him. And I'll be sworn I never saw him but once in the tilt-yard, and then he burst his head for crowding among the marshal's men. I saw it, and told John Agaunt he beat his own name, for you might have thrust him and all his apparel into an eel-skin. The case of a treble hot boy was a mansion for him, a court, and now has he land and beeves. Well, I'll be acquainted with him if I return, and it shall go hard, but I'll make him a philosopher's two stones to me. If the young dace be a bait for the old pike, I see no reason in the law of nature but I may snap at him. Let time shape, and there an end. Exit. End of Act Three